Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Competitive Enablement Show. I'm your host, Adam McQueen, and in today's episode, I was joined by Brandon Bedford, Clue's own Competitive Enablement Manager. Brandon's going to be joining us on a regular basis to give the viewer a lens inside how we at Clue are competing. He's been doing a really good job of what we call building in public, both internally at Clue and on LinkedIn. So I thought I'd bring the listeners in to follow along on his journey as well. Today, we talked all about sales confidence surveys. Brandon shares first what they are, why he built one and conducted it on the first month of the job, the questions he asked within the survey and the reasons why he asked them. Plus, we look at a couple of the early results from the survey and how it's directing his competitive efforts over here at Clue. With that all said, let's get into today's episode. All right, today I am joined by Clue's very own competitive enablement manager, Brandon Bedford. Brandon, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. So we've got Brandon on, and this is kind of meta because now we finally have our own person running compete at Clue, doing an awesome job of it. And what we want to do on a regular basis with this podcast is actually just offer a lens inside to how Clue is actually competing. And Brandon, spearheading this charge since, when, when did you start as the compete manager uh, at Clue? Yeah, so formally January 1st. I mean, Compete was owned by product marketing more broadly before that, but like this official kind of specialized role started Jan 1st of this year. So uh, just coming uh, coming on my one month anniversary. Yeah, and the cool thing about our product marketing team between yourself, uh, Jason Oakley, um, Zoom and our customer marketing is this building in public and it's such a good process. And honestly, it's great from a content standpoint. I love when people are building in public and as you're building out the com- compete program here at Clue, uh, everything that you're learning along the way, the things you've struggled with, the wins you've had, we're going to be documenting it and making it as part of our podcast feed. So with that said, you've been on the job now formally for a month. And one of the first things you did was conduct a sales competence survey. And that's going to be the center of the topic for, for the podcast today. Why, why did you start with that? Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a perfect question to start with, you know, why, why was this the first thing, one of the first things that I did? And I think when I think of the purpose of the sales confidence survey, it was really around prioritization and listening to my, ultimately my stakeholders in terms of what they need. Uh, you know, coming from a you know, sales background, I was an account executive at Clue for just under two years and an account executive before that. You know, one of the things that we do in a sales process is like one of the first steps rather is lead what's called discovery, which is you ask questions, you understand, you know, what are the challenges that this organization is facing and where can Clue or whatever solution I'm selling at that given time, what, how can I help solve some of those problems? And so I took a very similar approach to building the Kapev enablement program starting with discovery. Where are the challenges today? Where are the gaps? Um, and so one of the you know, most fundamental ways that, to ask these questions, and you don't even need Clue to do this, is sending a survey. Um, and so that was one of the big reasons why I started with it. Uh, you might also ask why sales first, right? And you know, I do plan actually to have a wider survey for the full org. Um, but as we'll probably get into in the podcast, a lot of the questions in the sales confidence survey were specific for sales, you know, wins and losses, 
competitive head-to-head deals. And, and this is something we've learned from our clients as well. You know, wall-to-wall competitive enablement is certainly our vision, but sales often is the first, you know, shortest time to value when it comes to enabling the organization with competitive insights. It's a natural entry point to, to building out the program. What's, what was the intended purpose? You kind of touched on that then, but as you've created this survey, um, you want to get the, the seller feedback, but what else was the, the goals you had in mind with creating this survey for your reps? On one hand, my goal was to collect that information, right? Purely from a selfish perspective, I was, I was performing discovery. I want to understand what's, what gaps do I need to fill? What problems do I, I need to solve? But I think there were also two other underlying purposes there. One was to really build trust and respect with the sales team. Now, obviously, I have the privilege of having been on the sales team, and I've built, you know, hopefully, some respect with them over the, the past two years. But I think it's really important for any new, um, you know, competitive enablement team is, you know, start by extending that hand to sales and ask them questions like, "What do you need? What are the things that I can do to help you?" And again just really want to highlight, yes, the topic of today is primarily around the sales confidence survey. But another thing I was doing in that first month was reaching out to stakeholders across marketing, across product, across our executive team to understand like, how can I help serve these other departments and stakeholders? And so I think that while on one level, it was, you know, discovery to help me in terms of what content to produce and what I need to do. It's also on a, a more kind of sub communicating level is like, Hey, this is me extending a hand. I want to help the sales team and let's build this relationship from day one. A common challenge we hear from competitive enablement teams that are creating and maintaining battle cards, particularly is this trust in that content, right? If I'm a sales rep and I go to my battle card and it's out of date or something in there is false, right? A competitor has actually released a new feature and our battle card doesn't reflect that, then I'm going to stop using that content as a seller. And so I think building up of trust is a really big theme in terms of, you know, a lot of the behaviors and activities that we're seeing sales confidence survey, just being, um, being one of them. Let's let, let's get into it then. Let's get, let's get right mm-hmm. into it right now. I want to know what, without going question by question, but what is in the survey like some of the key pointers that you've put in there, the questions you're asking and the reasons why you're using those questions for your sellers. Obviously the, the specific questions are going to differ depending on your mm-hmm. organization. So I won't go into like every single specific question. Uh, we do have like a sales confidence survey template that we share with all of our clients. And I think I also posted a, um, a LinkedIn post and a lot of people reached out for that template. And so there is kind of specific questions that we do recommend asking, but just, just thematically, what I'd say is the the kind of topics of questions, I think, should be fairly consistent across org uh, because the goals for me are, one, prioritizing competitors, right? Every, every you know, company really, not just B2B, but any company really has competitors. And you could really stretch the definition of competitor pretty widely, right? There's, there's direct competitors, there's indirect competitors, there's other solutions that you're fighting for from a budget standpoint, but aren't, aren't really competitors. And so understanding my priorities in terms of the competitor list was a really, you know, 
focus, uh, focused goal of the sales confidence survey. And so having questions around which competitors are you seeing most often, which competitors um, are you least confident against, or, or even just for specific competitors, if you have a short list, you know, how confident do you feel uh, up against competitor X, competitor Y, competitor Z to get a sense of which competitors you will want to focus on. You have to prioritize where you want to spend your time. And I think we, we talked about this actually at the CE Live last week. The, the competitor that we see most often, actually, we're not losing to the most. And our sales reps actually feel quite confident going up against them. Um, it's actually competitors that we don't see as often that we maybe haven't historically paid as much attention to that was a really big learning from the confidence survey. And so if you're listening to this podcast and you, you, know, you know there's that kind of one main competitor in your space, I mean, your sales reps might actually be feeling very confident because they've come up against that competitor many, many times. It might be an up and comer. It might be an old incumbent or a new entrant into your market. That's actually the area that people want uh, or need the most help. We could go like sub point of that is prioritizing the content on that competitor. And so even asking questions like, what kind of intel would you want to see on a battle card, right? And there's a lot of you know, content that we'd recommend as clue that we've seen as, as very valuable, why we win, why we lose, customer stories, pricing, uh, how to spot them. Are there any terms that come up that, you know, the, uh, that would hint off that we're, you know, this prospect is looking at a competitor, but ask your sales reps that maybe they have a really good sense of why we win, why we lose, but they don't know much about pricing or they don't know much about their, you know, geographic scope. And so again, asking within a competitor, what kind of content sales really needs um, is a really simple uh, question to ask. So those are kind of the two kind of buckets, I would call them. The next buckets, and this is not necessarily an order of priority, by the way, but maybe mm -hmm. naturally came up to my mind in that order. Um, where does your team want to receive updates, right? And, you know, at Clue, we have this concept we call Clue Everywhere, which is you know, really your competitive insights should be delivered wherever your team is today. And, you know, hopefully you are using a, a tool or a platform or some sort of system that allows you to announce these updates and changes in various different tools. So while everything is possible, it's still helpful to know where your sales team is spending time, right? Like we at Clue, we use Slack, we use email, we use a whole bunch of other tools. We have a CRM, um, but understanding where sales reps prefer to get their information is where I'm going to spend my, my time the most. Um, mm -hmm. You know, our Intel Digest, for example, goes out via email and via Slack. And um, actually, the, the areas, those were the two areas that our sales reps wanted to hear Intel most was via email and via Slack. And so um, understanding, yes, we can send our Intel everywhere, but yeah, you know what, our sales reps want to receive it in these places. And then this is a really long answer, but the last, the last one I'll just highlight because I think it's super important is where do you want to capture Intel from? And so this is a little bit harder to put into a sales confidence survey, but you know, questions like where, when you come across Intel from a competitor, where are you putting it today? Right. And again, another best practice that you can steal from this podcast is set up a competitive Intel channel in Slack, right? That's where we use at Clue pretty heavily when a sales rep hears something, they drop it into Slack. Um, but you should also include that in your survey. Like where are your sales reps leaving these nuggets of insight? Are they putting it into CRM? Are they putting it into Slack? It's very possible they're not putting it anywhere. 
And in a sense, by asking that question, you're going to like, you know, draw attention to that gap. But I think it's, it's important to get alignment with that team of like, okay, if you're hearing something about a top competitor, where are you putting that insight today? But to sum it up, I would say those four points were prioritize your competitors, prioritize the content on your competitors, understand where your team wants to receive intelligence and understand where your team wants to contribute intelligence. And those were kind of the four buckets I would consider as key elements for a, a, a good sales confidence survey. Seeing the survey, seeing the results and seeing kind of what happens next as, as someone at Clue, seeing how you've done this, it's such a clear roadmap. And like you've mentioned, this trust uh, visibility exercise, what you've been doing with this and making it such a clear um, call to action for reps and that you're kind of extending that olive branch and how you want to support them moving forward. I think that this is incredibly valuable to see what you've done. And with that said, this kind of leads me into the next question is the early results that you've received from your reps. What have the results led you to do next? What are your first initiatives? What are, what are the next steps you take when you start to receive feedback from the reps? Totally. And actually there's there's maybe a fifth bucket that I didn't include as like on, fundamental, fundamental elements there, but it's related to this question of like, what did I do as my next initiatives? Um, I think sales reps are a very misunderstood bunch. You know, they, you know, there is kind of a stereotype that sales reps just want to sell. They just want to get their commission. And that's, you know, that, that, there might be truth to that. I'm not going to deny it. I was a sales rep, but I think sales reps have a lot of great ideas. They're hearing a lot of interesting things from the market. They are literally the tip of the spear for your organization. They're speaking to the market at all times. Um, and so capturing their creative ideas. So one of the last questions I included on the sales confidence survey is like, you know, if you had a magic wand for your compete program, you could have anything you want. What would that be? And I told, and I left it as a free form response. I told them write as much as they want. And I got some pretty solid paragraphs of like, yeah, I would really love for this, this, and this, and really creative ideas. Some of them were far-fetched. Some of them were, you know, really uh, pie in the sky, but they were really great ideas that aligned with other larger priorities we had. And so um, just I'll throw that in there for anyone listening, like really just create a, an open space. You know, a lot of the questions that you'll see in the template will be, you know, how confident do you feel? Multiple choice, which competitors, but allow some room for your sales reps to vent or, you know, actually make asks that they might not feel would be listened to in other in other areas. Um, and you'd be surprised at some of the insights you'll get uh, from the team. So, so going back to your question around how has the confidence survey results really influenced my, uh, my priorities? I mean, one, it's just solely from that. It's given me ideas on things that I wasn't thinking about before. And then in terms of like the shorter term priorities, I think it's helped me, like, again, going back to those four buckets, it's, it's, helped me prioritize which competitors I want to focus my time on. Um, and it's helped me focus like what kind of content on those competitors is going to be most relevant, right? We have a long tail of smaller competitors as many, you know, many organizations do. Um, now I have basically an ordered list in order of number of times a rep put it in the survey. If anyone's curious, the way I phrased it was list up to five competitors that you'd want more content on. And so now I literally have, you know, competitor A was list was mentioned 10 times, competitor B was mentioned eight times, seven times. So I have a running list that I can just 
bang out an order. Um, and it's based off of real feedback from the sales team. Now, again, caveat here, it's at this point where you may also want to look towards other stakeholder groups. Again, the focus here is sales, the sales confidence survey, our first audience that we're enabling is sales, but also consider doing a, an organization-wide survey or survey specific to customer success or to product. Because again, depending on your more macro goals, maybe you, it's not just all about sales. That totally makes sense. Other than the, um, the, the, the surprise that the most common competitor isn't actually the biggest threat, were there any other results that raised your eyebrows or I, I know you mentioned these kind of open dialogue, these open ended questions really gave you a lot of ideas. Were there any other things that you went in that surprised you? I mean, you were, a, you were an AE, you sold at Clue for 18 months or so. Was that before? Almost two years. I so I joined almost, March, 2020. So almost two years as a seller. Now you're serving those. Were there any results that you, that surprised you? Um, definitely the one that comes to mind was the one around our kind of popular competitor, not being as big of a threat as we'd expected. The other one that I think is interesting was, um, and I think again, was partly due to the fact that I encouraged open ideas and like a, a safe space, if you will, for sales reps to provide, um, you know, brainstorming and, um, different things is a common thing that came up multiple times was, a status quo battle card. So not a particular competitor, but a non-company entity. And we actually know there's, you know, some competitive intelligence tools, competitive enablement tools don't really allow for that flexibility. So that was really interesting to be like, okay, maybe we need a status quo enablement, which, you know, obviously overlaps with sales enablement more broadly than just mm -hmm. competitive, competitive enablement and competitive intelligence. But that was, that was definitely an interesting one. The other one that I don't want to say is a surprise, but I think will just be an interesting trend that I, I feel like, you know, listeners will want to know about is multiple people. So this definitely was a trend in the responses. Multiple sales reps wanted to hear the best of the best highlights of from the battle card. So, so just to, to give you an example, right? You have a competitor and you have a great battle card. Imagine the best battle card you could possibly build on this competitor. We know why we win. We know why we lose. We have all the objection handling techniques. We have all the talk tracks all laid out perfectly on the battle card. It's still going to be text. And you, know, you can make it beautiful and pretty, but no one wants to read a wall of text. What I heard from the sales reps was we want to hear gong snippet snippets, embed the gong snippet of so-and-so seller, Kayam, for example, who was on CE Live last week, actually depositioning our competitor's pricing and just insert that snippet into the battle card um, or anonymized email responses that we've gotten from clients. We have a lot of clients that reached out to us and gave us great intel. Hey, competitor X, we really didn't like their pricing model because of XYZ. Include proof and screenshots and call recordings to support the battle card. And again, this all goes back to, I think, trusting the content. It's one thing to just have an encyclopedia and it could be the most up-to-date, you know, wonderful encyclopedia ever, but by putting in dynamic content, by putting in real gong snippets of the top rep, you know, selling and using those talk tracks, it's going to be really, really powerful. And I think we'll absolutely drive adoption in the long run. So that was, I think, another another kind of key trend that came out, which was sales reps wanted that stuff. They wanted to hear their peers 
using that those talk tracks and show that it's kind of sales tested, sales battle tested, um, not just you know someone in an ivory tower saying hmm. use these talk tracks. Yeah, what what I'm hearing from you is sort of this also broader theme of a competitive culture. Uh, I think that's part and parcel of building trust, building visibility is reaching out to the sellers, letting them know that I'm, I want to hear what your biggest pains are, what your biggest problems are. Yep. But now you're also kind of the solutions that you're looking or that are asking for and that you will provide is sort of this, like they're learning from one another. It's not just going to come from your messaging. Um, you're tell, you're going to be promoting them to be sharing back until you're at least putting that in their mind. They're going to be learning from top sellers. Like it's sort of like, I, I don't know exactly what the what the perfect term is for it, but it is this competitive culture where it's not just you as a compete expert and everyone going to you. You're sort yes. of facilitating this this uh, culture where people are aware of their competitors and people are going to be looking to their peers. They're going to be looking to you. You're going to be looking to them. And it sort of becomes woven into the fabric of how they sell. I absolutely love this topic, Adam. And I think a common phrase we hear in our industry is wall-to-wall competitive enablement. And I think there is a misconception that a lot of teams have and organizations have that wall-to-wall competitive enablement is going to be a centralized team spitting out content to multiple departments. You know, it's not just about enabling sales. It's about enabling product and marketing and executives. And there's a grain of truth to that, but it's still built on this model of one person spitting content to the rest of the team. And if you haven't listened to Chris Ignoli's uh, episode and on the podcast, um, definitely listen to that because I'm stealing this from, from him directly. Competitive enablement is a two-way conversation. You cannot have wall-to-wall enablement by just spitting content to these different departments across your organization. Sure, you're enabling more than sales, you're enabling marketing, but it's about you know, like you said, building a competitive culture of sharing, right? Sales reps enabling other sales reps, marketing and sales being able to communicate. It's not this idea of just presenting off of, you know, a slide deck and just sending information in one direction. And I think that's really critical. And again, it goes back to what I mentioned around the sales confidence survey. Of course, I want to get this content so I can prioritize my work, but it's also an act of building that first step of trust with the sales team to build a competitive culture that will last. And on that note, this is why I love Brandon coming on here. He's plugged the Agnoli episode. He plugged CE Live. So everyone go find those as well. But also on that note, I'm thinking when you look at the competitive as a team culture, our own VP of product marketing, Jason Oakley is, is doing a session on exactly that at winter games. And if anyone has ever Attended Winter Games is one of my favorite virtual events. So make sure you hit that up. And also Gerard Green, the VP of Product Marketing at High Spot, presented at the Competitive Enablement Summit on exactly this topic too, this competing as a team sport. So highly recommend. We'll have plenty more content on that too, but I think it is just such a key part of building a successful competitive program. Okay, last question here, Brandon. Survey, you've run it. Sweet. You've got some results. You can kind of go off and have some action items, some, some, some uh, strategies to execute on now. How frequently are you going to run these surveys and why? It's a really good question. And, you know, obvious, obvious caveat here is that it's going to depend on your organization and your culture. But I think at most, a quarterly survey is going to be a, a, a great cadence, um, at least, I would say, annually. 
And the reason I'd use those as boundaries is if you go beyond quarterly and start to get into monthly, like the sales confidence survey, it's, it is quite a few questions, right? Like I'll be honest, you know, every, we have a great competitive culture at Clue, but I still have to follow up with sales reps. Hey, did you fill out the survey? Cause sales reps are busy selling who knew. Um, and so understanding that, you know, this is an ask that you're putting on the team, make sure that you've put in good questions in there and don't, don't think, Oh, I'm just going to send out another survey next month. Like this is, you know, this Intel should hopefully carry you through at the minimum this quarter. Um, and I would aim for at least, you know, biannual, right? Because again, quarterly, it can start to kind of feel rote and, and repetitive. Uh, you might not get a ton done in a single quarter and maybe you, maybe you will. And again, that's going to depend on your team size and how many teams you're enabling and how big your sales force is, et cetera. Where quarterly, I think could be really helpful is if you want to focus on one team first, right? We have a lot of clients that will roll out to the enterprise sales team. And then maybe next quarter, the focus is commercial sales team or uh, the products team or customer success and account management, right? That's when you could start to look at uh, kind of different uh, vectors. But for, in terms of like the recipients of the survey, I feel like you don't want to do that more than a quarter. And then I also would do at the very minimum once a year, you know, the bigger reason for that, which also goes back to the purpose of the confidence survey is I'm trying to get a baseline metric for again, confidence that I can then compare in six months or in one year so that we can say, Hey, actually, if we look back a year, our confidence across the team has grown by say X percent, again, goes back to success metrics. Of course, you know, qual quantitative metrics like win rates and average deal size and all the CRM metrics are important, but being able to overlay that and say, not only are we winning more deals against these competitors, but our sales reps are feeling more confident going against those competitors. You're now starting to tell a story that's more aligned with competitive win rates go up for lots of reasons, right? Maybe you, you, you and your organization just did a massive discount at end of year and you want a whole bunch of competitive business. That's, that's not the story we want to tell. Um, we want to show, Hey, across all these different uh, metrics or dimensions, we are more competitively enabled than we were last year or last half or quarter. That's awesome. So that's uh, a metric that you can kind of put into your own um, KPIs, how you, how you're going to, share with the broader team leadership, your own management on how, how you're performing and how competitive culture is flourishing or not flourishing within your team. Cause I think, yeah, competitive culture can be something hard to measure, but the cool thing about the survey is it is, it captures some of those moments that might just kind of slip through the cracks. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And I think, and obviously hopefully it's the former, right? Hopefully it's thriving and flourishing and, and, I don't know if this is directly related to this, but I just want to throw it out there because I'm starting to hear this from, you know, from our CE live session. And even from some of the conversations I had uh, when I was a, a seller at Clue is you know, competitive intelligence, competitive enablement can often be put to the wayside. And while obviously we want to see that becoming more and more of a focal priority for executives, I guess I'm always like, I'm an eternal optimist. And I think there's a really exciting opportunity for any product marketers or competitive intelligence practitioners to really exceed expectations, right? Like there, if, if your organization sees competitive intelligence as a checkbox and, you know, let's just, let's just monitor our competitors, make sure we are on top of their press releases, what have you, like you can do that, set up Google alerts, like get that done, check that box. But 
to then look at that and say, actually, like we, I could improve our revenue metrics. I could help the sales team win more competitive business and be a hero to them. I could, I could help inform our product roadmap and, you know, monitor competitive threats that we maybe weren't considering like that, I think is a really interesting path that is maybe overlooked by a lot of organizations, but presents a really massive opportunity for people that are excited about this kind of work and wants to dive deeper into it. And so, um, you know, you could look at that kind of state of affairs and say, ah, my executive team, they don't care about, you know, CI, they just, they're really not focused on this, but like, there is a ton of potential value there. And um, we want to help you kind of prove that out. And so not, and again, this is not to, to sell clue, but just from the content and like the, the people that we bring on to our podcasts and, you know, hopefully we're, we're helping, you know, you, you know, you, the, the listener actually build out that culture at, at your organization. This is why I love talking with you, Brandon. Glass half full. I love it. But there are so many good lessons in that. And your approach and philosophy to how you're tackling competitive enablement clue, we're going to be documenting this journey. So listeners, Brandon is building in public, like I said, so you can catch him on LinkedIn, follow him there. He's constantly asking for feedback. He's sharing what he's doing well, what's tripping him up, what he's learned that week. Um, So follow him there. And we're going to be doing this more regularly. We'll come up with a fancy branded title soon enough, Brandon. We're going to have to get some creative minds. Maybe Ben, producer Ben, in the background's already got a bunch of puns in his head. So Brandon, thanks for joining me. Listeners, we'll catch you all next week.